everyone out there, it's podcast time. Um, my name's Pure today, and I'm here with my brainy mate, Catherine Burkett, because I've got questions. Catherine, how are you? I am good. Yeah, yeah. We're a bit new at this podcast stuff, but we're having a bit of fun, eh? Too much giggling and laughing, though, on our part. Okay, more serious. No, not more serious. Forget that. Because <laughs> laughing and happiness is cool. But I want to breach a topic that um, that I've thought about for a long, long time. Ever since I'm a sort of older, rounder Māori man, ever since I was a smaller, rounder Māori boy. And I suppose um, the question that has come up in my head is how come Māori aren't doing so well in statistically around education, health and all those things and, the, you know, and the, and the cops and all the rest of it, all the, you know, if I was a parking, I'd be going, man, what's going on here? Well, hopefully we're going to find out what's going on. And I want to ask you also about intergenerational trauma. Um, somebody said to me um, that grief or unhappiness or all those sorts of things causes, you know, not good behaviour, you don't function well. Is that what is happening to my whanau, do you think? And and obviously I'm going to talk from a scientific point of view, right? And yeah. <laughs> which is why we go so beautifully together, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I will talk scientifically, so I want people to know that I'm not trying to be too seriously scientific, but by understanding the science, yeah, we get how we need to change. And, and so I think the stuff that, and that's why you and I caught it all, because it comes together to, to advise us how we do things better. Yeah. So so when I put us down into brain cells and connections and all that sort of stuff, I, I, I still recognise the people that are around all those brain cells. So in a, in a real nutshell, which we will start from, we've talked about the red brain, green brain, and the fact that when our lower brains are feeling any sort of threat, they're more activated. There's more energy transferred to the lower parts of the brain, which are impulsive survival parts of the brain. Right. The upper green brain can be aware and considerate and and change. Our, our lower brain is just clearer. automatic. Yes. Yes, clearer, eh? Clarity. Clearer. There's clarity and there's awareness and all of those things. I mean, it's a continuum between the two. But down in that lower brain, if there's any sense of threat, right. it's our brain's first port of call is to survive. Yeah. So it says, actually, if there's some threat, I need to concentrate on survival. Don't worry about all this nice stuff about getting to know people and empathising and, yeah. and, and, and futuristic. Don't worry about the future. Do just, not just worry survive, about the future. bro. It's now, <laughs> just right? Just survive, yeah. <laughs> and so that, that red brain is, our, like I said, impulsive, irrational, here and now, selfish, all of that sort of stuff, which mm. we can all be when we get stressed. But what we need to understand is in the early years, our brain is asking the environment, what do I need to be? And, and and for a real simple example is what language did you speak when you were young? You spoke the language that you experienced. I spent a year in Egypt when I was sort of 24-ish. Now, if my brain had been clever in its early years when it was sensitised to learning language, it would have said, Catherine, you're going to live in Egypt for a year. Yep. You're sensitised to learning language right now. Become fluent in Arabic, right, when I was one years old. That would have yep. been the brain planning forward. But what the brain does is says, what's happening now? So what we experience in the moment is how our brain develops. And what we know for some babies, or for all babies, if they're surrounded by nervousness, worry, anger, threat, their brain focuses on survival. Right. So who is a round baby and how are those people feeling? Yeah, and why 
are they feeling like that? What, what, what has caused that environment for, for, for whoever it is um, to, to, to be feeling those emotions? So let's go and back to the story. Hundred percent. Yeah. Go back to the story you were telling about when the settlers first came to New Zealand, and what did they observe? Oh, they they observed, my whanau were calm, kind. Uh, we were scientists in our own right. We were horticulture experts. We went back and forwards to the Pacific to Tahiti. All those things we we had it going on, Kath. Right. Yeah. Because there was safety. There was no threat. I mean, obviously, there's bits and pieces of threat, but there was a constant feeling of safety and of belonging and of having a place. I, I, I also need to say we were scrapping each other as well, which <laughs> is uh, it's why we get on so well with the Scottish, because <laughs> we are clans people. But, yeah, there was – yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't those, perfect. Yeah, between those clashes, that, that the home life, the village life – the, the, what were what were our babies experiencing? What were the babies experiencing in that space? Our little toddlers, the little tamariki, they were they were they were being able to live in their green brain, reflect on themselves, observe each other. That's the thing that we want to know. Mm. Now, what do you think the populations are feeling, and 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 what the adults, what what state of activation of the stress response do you think some of the adults are in? Yeah, yeah, total pressure. Total pressure. And, you know, just to take it away from, you know, obviously uh, I'm, I'm a Maori man, but, you know, when we look at war zones and people who have been subjected to all these things, it's relevant, eh? But, yeah, just uh, just a total different environment, I suppose. Yeah, and, and what what we know is uh, Bessel van der Kolk wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score, and it's a really good saying, the body keeps the score. So if imagine a little baby, a tiny little baby held in your arms, and and I grew up. I mean, I uh, you know when when I had my babies in my arms, most of the time I felt fine. I felt safe. I wasn't terribly worried about my child's future or anything that was going to come up. I wasn't worried about myself. I wasn't worried about where the next meal was going to come from. So most of the time, I held my babies. I was calm. Mm. I lost the plot sometimes, and we've got to be realistic about that. But most yeah, of the time, I was me calm. That. <laughs> <laughs> and so my babies spent most of their time calm. Yeah. And their red brain was scanning the environment saying, am I safe? And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is good. And so the red brain goes, well, I'm not really needed that much in, in this world. Into neutral. Right. Yeah, green brain kicks in. Green brain into kicks gear. in, right. And then I can observe people and I go through my terrific twos by having temper tantrums <laughs> and I learn how to calm myself down and I watch everybody else's faces and I learn when people are feeling confused and I learn when people are feeling tired and when people are feeling hungry and there's different facial expressions. And so now I don't overgeneralize anger. I don't. And, but our little baby who's held by the mother who doesn't know when the next meal is coming from, who doesn't feel like we're part of the society, who doesn't feel like I'm okay and if I go out there's judgment and there's this and there's all of those potential variables, you can tell there's more tension in her body Mm. and the tension in her body makes baby tense. Right. And baby's body (laughs) says there's something wrong in this world, something not quite right. I better keep this little red brain activated a bit more. So I can survive. Right. Yeah. Because that's number one. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? It was a penny just dropping on the... <laughs> yeah. And, and and so then if we've got the red brain activating, it's like, and, and we talked about sandpaper in the first one. So if you start sandpapering a brain, the next thing that happens, the brain is more alert to. Yep. And so if you put my baby and the other baby in an early childhood centre or um, out in a space, we go and have a mother's get-together and we're in a cafe... 
the door slams or there's a bit of noise. My baby's going, oh, that's okay. It's safe. I'm scanning the environment. There's a bit of noise. The other baby's going, wait, 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 wait. what's that noise? Yeah. Wait, wait, what's that? Body changes. Everything changes, eh? So their body learns so much better, and that word better as an efficient, yep. to stay alert and to, to become more aware of everything. And even if baby at that stage changed environment, they've still got that pre-programmed sandpapered brain and unless we do something actively to make this child feel safe, they'll continue to be sandpapered, hypervigilant, yes. hyper-aware of everything, which means they... And, and I scared. use the analogy... I oh, know it's basic, but they're just scared. scared. They're crapping themselves. Yeah. Which is what babies do sometimes. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I find this stuff fascinating because a lot of the stuff I see as a very proud Māori New Zealander, it it, it, it makes me sad. Mm. And it says, well, how come we've come to this? And, you know, um, my whānau is a bouquet, okay? I've got Māori, Pacific Islander, Pākehā, Asian. They're not just friends. They're whānau to me, you know? So I see these differences. But I get this, and, and as a kid growing up and we're talking, oh, mate, that's just an excuse. I had a hard life. All they got to do is get off their butt and blah, blah, blah. I'm going, yeah, maybe you're right. But also maybe you're wrong. How to, to get off my butt. So to get off my butt and do something different means I need to have that, that ability to think that I can make a difference. Now, now, one of the things we learn, we, we talk about um, Eric Erickson does uh, child development um, theory. And the first one is trust. Trust versus mistrust. So the first one is trust. So someone, when I was when I was happy, someone smiled at me. When I was sad, someone cuddled me. When yep. I wanted to be on my own, someone put me down. When they needed to change me, so trust. I trust the world. The second one's autonomy, and autonomy is when we can understand we have control over the world. And so what we do is we watch our little kids, and they pile up the blocks, and they push them, and they all fall down, and then they pile them up almost exactly the same, and then they kick them. Right. And they see this, and they're experimenting, and they're going, if I do something different a different thing will happen. And then they'll pile them up and they'll push them exactly the same as they did last time. And they'll go, see, if it's me that's making the difference here, I'm impacting the world. When I play with water, when I um, rattle the rattle, when all of these things, you watch our babies and our toddlers watching these things and they're experimenting. They're saying, am I making a difference? Yes, I am. And if our kids are able to be in our green brain, they do that again and again and again. Right. But can you see the kid in their red brain? They're sitting in the corner and they're shutting up and they're staying quiet and they're not experimenting and they're not doing that. So when we grow up and we say, if you get off your butt and change your behaviour, you will earn enough to have your own house. Right. And their brain goes, but it doesn't matter what I do because I have no control over my life. Uh, their, their, their basic knowledge is that it doesn't matter what I do. I don't change things. That's and we the programme. Yes. And we see kids in school all the time and we're saying to them, try hard and you'll do this. And they go... They look at you as if to say, but it doesn't matter what I do. Yeah. I've tried and tried and tried, and there's been no difference to the outcome. And so what we've got to do is go right back to the beginning and, and teach this person that they can make a difference, that what they did made a difference. So when you say get off your butt, that's the first thing. Second, they have to have the capacity in the green brain to do all of these sorts of things. And have they actually learnt things? Have they learnt um to read, to write, to to communicate, to, to, communicate, to read nonverbals and all these sorts of things. And if you've been living in your red brain, you've missed out on so much of life. So for our tamari to, tamariki to get this stuff, um, we can't have a parent that's in their red brain. That's the problem, eh? Yes. 
Yeah. Whoever and, you are, whatever nationality you are, if you're in your – you know, that's that cycle we talk about, eh? Very quick to judge. Yeah, and we say, oh, by the way, that was generations ago. So, you know, now we can just move on. Yeah, tell me about that, generations ago. Right, but it wasn't because it was me. I was I felt it from you and now I am. And so it's it's not generations. It's me who I am right now. I'm still living with the the understanding, the belief systems, the trauma – that my generations did because their body keeps the score and each generation has passed it to the next generation. And then quite often because of that and because of the media and keep reading things and all that sort of stuff, every time we hear that, we see that, we feel that, it's like, well, that's another sandpaper and why would I bother and I can't change anything and I'm just going to be that anyway, so why don't I? And and so we pass that to our next generation. And so unless we stop that that trauma, so, so, so the opposite is, we make people feel safe. Yeah. And that's whatever, whoever, well, that's the however. Answer. The answer is... Safe for themselves. Safe, safe for themselves. Who are yeah. you and why are you? And you can be different and you can change. And we can, and we are valued and we are all respected and recognised. Yeah. Yeah. And when we start having that kaupapa and we, 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 we start to see that and talk about that and actually live it instead of lip serving, servicing it and we truly value, then when I hold my baby... I'm going to hold my baby and feel just fine and my baby is going to grow up with their green brain more available, right? So it's me as the parent who has to feel safe and secure in themselves to pass on to my baby. And that's why intergenerationally we're not going to change unless as a community we create safety. Wow, that's so cool. You know, I grew up with, uh, I suppose, you know, as a younger Māori growing up, you had to dodge a lot of stuff. So my, my father's name was Tātana Terei. They changed his name to Don. Uh, my mother's name was Waimirirangi, who was a beautiful Māori queen and a mover and a shaker from Pangaru. They changed her name to Gemma. My name was Pio, and they get it wrong, but it's short enough, so it was fine, you know. So all those things we would dodge, okay, as Māori. Uh, things like, oh, you're having another Māori day off. Um, and even in comedy, in my career in comedy, uh, whereas, um, you know, I, I was always compared to other Māori comedians, but for me, I just never felt happy taking the mimi out of my own people because I'm just adding to, to I don't know, just creating a negative brand of who we are. 100%. And, 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 and obviously we can all should be able to laugh at ourselves and have jokes and be fun. But the issue is if that sandpaper that we talk about, so you make a joke and that falls, you make a joke about something about me or whatever, I've got this security, this baseline that yep. says, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's sort of who I am. But if you're doing that and you're sandpapering an already grooved space, yeah. that just that's says, dangerous. yeah, see, I told you, I know I am, and, and, and that, that is dangerous. Yeah, and the other thing is, say, laugh at ourselves – um, and my my whanau are non-Māori. Uh, the men that I love are often non-Māori, but they haven't grown like me. We're, we, we, we're not... We're one nation, but we're not exactly one people. So, you know, we need to laugh at ourselves. I've said, bro, you've never even slept on a marae. Mm. You know, what are you talking about? You know, don't don't make that sort of convenient, you know. So we are different, and that's something that should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, in, in, in my space, I just want to see um, the demystifying and stuff around the reasons why people are like they are instead of just being judgmental. Gee, I went off then, didn't I? I went all deep in, 
oh, we can heal these people hanging up. But, you know, if if this is the greatest country ever, and I think it is, I think our country's fantastic, man, we've got to keep listening and trying to understand. And, and, and there are certain things that are happening that are good and that, oh, that we are starting, absolutely. But there was just, but we can't sit back on laurels and say that's fine. What we've got to start doing is instead of saying you are who you are and therefore you're destined for a certain outcome, is saying what is it that we need to do? And that's that red brain space and getting into our green brain. And we look at children in schools. And if that child walks into the school, and so so when I was a kid, you'd walk into school and there'd only be English words and there'd be nothing else there. And so you imagine a Māori kid walking into school there and saying, do I belong? Am I, am I part of this community? <laughs> Actually not. Um, and Or now there is, and, and, and sometimes it's absolutely genuine and fantastic, sometimes it's a little bit more plastic, but we'll have, <laughs> you know, you know the, the, yeah. the, 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 the porphyry, but then we do the porphyry and then the rest of the term, there's there's zero yeah. connection or we don't um, welcome people, we don't go out and meet people. So so what we've got to start saying is how do we create an environment that makes people feel safe? Yeah. And so our, our children walk into school no matter what. And, and, and like I say, it doesn't have to be about Māori. It could be about a child who's come from a refugee situation. It could be a child who's just um, in poverty or come from a different community. And they walk in and their brain says, am I safe here? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I know. And and if you're not safe, your red brain's alert and your green brain is a part of the brain that learns. And if we, and you if, can't yeah. be taught if you're in red brain. That's the thing <laughs> I've got to keep. Yeah, you're wasting your time, Kaz. And and so spending a bit of time at the beginning of the day or, 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 or creating in the first few weeks this understanding that we are a team, we are a group. And what do we do when we join a, um, a new uh, job, we go out and we do team building and we go and do <laughs> team pin bowling together or something like that. And what does that say? We, we are connected. And the brain goes, cool, when I'm at work and somebody does something wrong, then I can accept them for that. So in our schools, we need to create safety. And so we haven't got safety. We don't feel the same. We don't feel accepted. Red brain's activated. Green brain can't remember the instructions that it's given. So then it's better to be stupid than naughty. And so then I kick something over and someone goes, well, that's typical of you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so then my self-belief, my self-awareness, I am always the one in trouble. I am the one that's going to fail. I am the one. And so then can you see that perpetuation happens? Yeah. And by the time we're even six years old, seven years old, we know this child knows in their DNA, in their, and it's not in their DNA, by the way. Just I'm just talking about in their in their self belief system that I am never going to be successful. I can't change anything anyway, even if I tried. Mm-hmm. Everybody hates me. This is place is unsafe. Red brain alert. Wow. You know, one of the saddest things is when I see anybody who can't dream. Okay. Um, I, I remember I remember a, a young boy was sitting on my couch and I got home and, and um, his mum, a friend of my wife's, Deb's, um, this woman, the hairdresser, was doing Deb's hair and a little kid and um, this woman's bringing this kid up uh, by, by herself and doing a brilliant job actually, a neat kid. And we were watching something on TV, might have been in Africa or something, you know, Sky or National Geo. And I said to this boy, and I said, hey, I wonder what it's going to be like when you go to Africa, eh? And he just looked at me and he says, am I going to go to Africa? And I says, bro, you can go anywhere you like. Just planting the dream seeds. But... What you're saying is it's very hard to plant a dream into a red brain. Oh, that you just wouldn't even. Oh, really? It's, it, it, the, the only thing the red brain does is works automatically, impulsively, irrationally. And that's science. That's science. Oh, that's, 
100% sign. If you if you can't find your keys and someone says, what's three times four? You, you can't. And like they say, if you're running away from a line, you don't even know what type of line is, what velocity you're running. Because yeah. all of that stuff is green brain. How do I look as I'm running? <laughs> Can we have this in slow-mo like Baywatch? No, Cass. <laughs> and, and it's not only red brain, green brain, but really that, that beautiful idea of getting our kids into green brain so they can dream, so they can yeah. think there is something different for me. But in the brain... And the subject of myelination is my fave, fave subject. What is it myelination. <laughs> and so what it is is in the brain, the more we repeat, the more layers of myelin lay down on the brain. It and sounds myelin, healthy. It's very healthy. It's fats and oils. Very, I love very it. healthy. Chops. No, sorry. <laughs> yep, good fats and good oils, that's it. But but when a baby's born, their their fontanelle is all um grown up and they expand in mm. the first three years. That's myelin. That's laying down physical layers of this um, stuff on the on the connections to speed up connections, and myelin gets laid down because of repetition. And we myelinate all our lives. My daughter's just learnt to drive. Guess what she had to do? Parallel park again and again and again and again and again because that's myelin, right? And the more myelin you lay down, then you can start not concentrating on driving. You can look ahead and anticipate. Right. And right. So so the more myelin, the more we can just become more natural at it. You still can't text though. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Because both of those use certain parts of the green brain. We can only do multitasking if it's a bit of a red brain procedural space. Like I don't, that's I, in a good space. I don't want to get into multitasking. Get, get back on track, young lady. <laughs> and so what has been repeated? What has been repeated to this young person? <sighs> and when you talk about dreaming, what has been repeated? And, you know, sometimes we're just being funny and sarcastic and stuff like that. And we're saying, what a loser. Oh, you'll never be. You know, like, and but... When have we said, when you, you mentioned it before, something about in the boardroom, you said to your kids, when you're in the boardroom, how many times do we say that to our yeah. kids? When, when you are this, when you are that. Yeah. And, and just our natural language, day after day after day, what are we projecting onto our children? What are they hearing? What are they seeing? Even in our movies. Yeah. You know, you're talking about conditioning too, eh? Hey? Well, this is conditioning, this is, 100%. So when our Māori kids see, um, you know, you know, where did, I, where did you get your bag? Oh, I pinched it mm. and all that stuff like that, which you know, nobody's doing anymore. Um, it's not just being repeated by their, by their immediate circle of whānau. It's being repeated by the big machine, which is society. Mm-hmm. Oh. And when you have that repeated that many times, yeah, and then you say, "Oh, don't worry, don't believe that. Change your thought pattern." Yeah, hard not. Actually, the only way to change it physically in the brain is to repeat the new behaviour you want. Yeah, and the positive stuff. Hey, and accentuate so, the positive. <laughs> Thanks, Simba. Oh, who was it? Yeah, uh, you know, but it's it, it's it's about knowing how the brain works, and that's why I said it's a little bit brainy and technology and all that sort of stuff, but. If we understand this and we actually physically see, I've just laid down a um, you know connection in your brain. And when you say to the little kid in class and they go, oh, you're the wiggler, you're the one that can't sit still. Oh, hey, hey, people, see this fellow down here? Man, never stops moving. Can't learn, is, you know, like distracted. What if, what layers of myelin have I just laid down on his brain? Yeah, yeah. Or I could say, do you know what? He sat really still. Might have been for two seconds, but he sat really yeah. still. Man, he's such a pleasure to have in this class. But how often do we hear that stuff and who gets the compliments 
and who gets the negative remarks. You know, you know I'm listening to you because I always do. Um, and I can hear some people going, and well, I've got to say some of my fun, bro, you're too much praise, you just make them soft. Actually, it's the opposite, isn't it? You know, if you're, oh, bro, you're a winner, Kaz. You're mm -hmm. just an awesome young fella. You know, I was up north this weekend and one of the kids came around and they dropped off some mussels that him and his mum and Pete. And I says, whoa, man, are you the diver, bro? Oh, no, we didn't have to dive. They were just in the right. No, mate, you're the, you'd be the next Jacques Cousteau. You didn't even know he was Jacques. But all that positive stuff, eh? 100%. Just makes a difference. Hundred. And and by the way, just in case you're listening, go, oh, I said something horrible to someone the other day. We can throw in the, oh, goodness me, what a waste of space every now and then. You know, like that's, yeah, yeah, do, do yeah, you see yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But we're talking about that building up, that the main connection, the main repetitions yeah they have to be the positives we have to tell our kids how amazing they are um you know like my son's having some interesting interactions in school with recently. his teachers <laughs> with his teachers yeah, well and, put and so there, there's certain things that he comes home and I get an email from school and I'm going Mason said this and, you know he said this and that and, and so all I want to do when he gets home is go what's wrong with you why are you being horrible why are you disrespecting those teachers you are not allowed to do this and I'm not going to let you do that and then I think actually this is this teenage boy going through this whole new state of space and and and, and grumpiness and a little bit more um, offensive and all that sort of stuff. That's just who he is. It's because he's a teenager. And actually he needs this foundation. He needs this support. Mm. And so when he comes home, I just forget about that stuff, do some cool stuff, hang out with him, whatever. Every now and then I say, hey, can you just tell me what's going on? Yeah. And he'll tell me. And in fact, sometimes it's not all from him. It's sometimes it's from the, Yeah, yeah. You know, like let's get real. But also... If I want him to get through this stage, he's a good kid. He's yeah. an amazing boy. He's going through his adolescent boy phase, yeah. and so I and and so, but I want to keep that strong foundation, and he'll get through. And he has got the strong foundation. But you think about a young man who's going through all those changes, having that self doubt, having all that stuff being said about him in real brain, right? And then the parent who's feeling judged because don't you do that because you've got to keep this you know space and you don't you're shaming me and all that sort of stuff. So now I'm rebranding as a parent. The kids rebraining, they've got a not such good foundation. Wow. Right? What would he be going to do right now? Where would he be seeking some happiness, some outlet? You know, and we wonder why our kids turn to things like drink and drugs and crime and yeah. gangs and stuff like that. Because actually if he's not feeling that safety from me, yeah. where is he gonna go? And honestly, it's hard for me to do this. I, I should have lots of people around me supporting. And it, it takes my whole deep breath, green brain, think it through. And only because I know the stuff can I sort of get it right. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, I get yeah. it wrong. But if I was the single mum, you know, which I am with my child coming home in trouble at school, I would highly likely be doing a lot of damage to him at the moment because I'd be red braining and we'd be there and he would have to find that safety somewhere else. And we and we judge our kids for going to join gangs or taking drugs or doing alcohol. Or being useless. Being useless, just timing out, going in their room and slamming the door and staying on social media and not having anything to do with me. I couldn't blame him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to keep that relationship. But but he's got a strong foundation and so I'm really lucky, even if I did it sort of wrong at the moment, he'd bounce back. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because his emotional tank is full. Yeah. He can take it. Um, you know, and when their emotional tanks empty, you know, they fall over or they'll bite. You can't <laughs> bite. Hey? I mean, not let just, you know, yeah, yeah. where's your homework? Well, you know, blah, blah, blah or whatever or, yeah. It's and you talked about layers before, you know, like you mentioned layers. And you think about layers. You think about that layering and layering and layering. And when you talk about, first of all, intergenerational, and we haven't even talked about the the contribution of 
the, the how the how the mother feels while she's carrying baby. Right. And so you've got there's a variable there. Then that baby's born, and you've got whatever chaos around because it's created by that I'm feeling unsafe as a as a parent in that space. And so then I'm already sandpapering my baby, and now baby's sandpapered, and so they're reacting to everything. Then they get to school and they do that, and you talk about layers, and you go, well, actually now you're 15, you should be grown up enough to, ha- <laughs> yeah, sort yourself out. But on condition like this, don't make excuses, mate. You know, it's funny you talk about, um, you know, our, our wahine that are hapu, you know, the word hapu. Mm. Um, hapu is to be pregnant, but hapu is also the, the, the word for family. Really? Yeah, of course yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Hapu, of course I had eh? not connected those two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really clever. Um, but, <laughs> I'm talking with my brainy mate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and just uh, you talk about... Well, you're talking about aroha and you're talking about kindness. Just in the womb, you know, when I, you know, I, I, I read a lot about a lot of the old people in, in my culture and they used to sing lullaby, uh, not just in my culture, you know, in mm-hmm. Welsh culture and Irish culture, they all did it, sing lullaby to that baby while they're still in the womb, eh? Mm. And straight away, you know, there's that mother's voice, there's that aroha and all that stuff. It's gold, man. Yeah, and again, I'll get a little bit more sort of scientifically technical. You can because again, you're the yeah, scientist. Because that's the thing. But I love it because it just says sing lullabies, right? So the answer is sing lullabies. But why? Because when babies conceived, there's there's a cell, and those cells divide and divide and divide. And in the brain, by the time baby's born, there's eighty around about eighty six billion 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 eighty six billion brain cells. And those 86 billion brain cells are because they've divided, divided, divided. So can you see how much is going on already? And there's everything else, obviously, going on around, and this is just the brain cells. Then those cells have to migrate off to where they're going to be for the rest of their life. So they make that decision while they're in the in, in the womb, while mum's hapu. And then they, it's called differentiation, It's they decide sort of what job, what chemical they're going to be responsible for. Now, a big part of that, they're getting the signals from the environment what 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 um, what um, neurotransmitters? What chemicals do I need to be set up for? Hang on, hang on, hang on. So they're picking the team. Aye. If this was a team, yes. right? Yeah, okay, all you guys, they're picking the team. You're in the forwards. You are in the backs. Mm. And this is happening in the womb, and you're going to stay there. Yeah, and we're playing South Africa, so we're going to pick our biggest forwards. Right. Or are we playing? Japan, so we're actually going to p- pick a couple of smaller forwards go because the they're blossoms. more nimble. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but do you see, you know, yeah, like, yeah. if you want to go 100% before we are born. So so that picking of the team and the conditioning of where those cells go and all those things is happening or is influenced by us outside that baby's world? Hundred. First of all, through our whakapapa, right? So right. you can you can get genetically designed to have more um, cells in the, you know, rugby area, you know, like yeah, that. But it's also influenced by the messages coming from mum. And ah. obviously mum is influenced by her environment, but yep. it is mum. Like dad could be as, as angry as he wants, but if he's nowhere near us, then it's not going to matter, right? Yep. But of course mum is the house. Mum is... Ah, mum is tapu. Absolutely. And so one of the things we know is that if mum is quite anxious, yes. then it is more likely when baby's born, they might not seem any different until something happens there's a stressor and say there's a whole group of kids they'll all stress the same but the baby of the mother who's felt more anxious will take longer to come out because the baby's brain is set up to hold anxiety and to process anxiety better because it's experienced it in the womb more wow wow 
And another thing that can happen is if mum is activating the stress response, and that's when the, the heart races a little bit and the fingers feel, you know, the arms feel tingly and the stomach's clenched and the shoulders are tight, that's the stress response. When we're in that space, we're releasing cortisol. Yep. And cortisol has the potential to do physical damage in baby's brain, which is a really scary thing. The beautiful thing is our body knows that, so we actually set up in the placenta and there's an enzyme that breaks down cortisol. How cool is that? So a little bit of stress and a normal amount of stress, don't worry about it, right? It's normal and it's good. But if we overstress, so if mum is in a space, for whatever reason, and she's continuing to stress, so we're already talking about this intergenerational stuff again, right? And I'm stressing and I'm worried. And when we talked about our foster system before, am I going to have baby taken away from me? Yeah. Right? Tell me you're not going to stress then. Yeah. And so what mum's got is this overactivation of cortisol, which could potentially impact baby's brain in two ways. One, they're born more alert, more hypervigilant, more in that activated red brain. Because do you see what brain's going? It's going, hey, this world's full of stress. You get ready. You come out, yeah, punch yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah, come yeah. out ready, which is good. I'm isn't on it? The team. Yeah. Because that's 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 clever. Yeah. The second thing is we may not have the cortex, the, the top green brain, really well developed. And we'll only notice that when the kids sort of five-ish, six-ish and they start school or when they hit adolescence, when they have to use parts of their brain that could potentially not have developed properly because of this concentration in the lower brain and a potential impact on those cells. So can we see how when we talk about that intergenerational space, just being stressed in utero and then potentially drinking alcohol, taking other drugs, because actually I feel like this and I'd rather forget about it. And I'm not, I'm not saying any of that's okay because it's not because we want to make baby as well as possible, but it's that understanding. And so baby's already born, like I said, cut me out, the world's going to be difficult and I've got to be a you know, survivor and not having quite the same ability to, to form those empathic relationships, that self-reflection, Clarity. all of that. Hey. Wow, 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 wow. You know, as you, were, as you were chatting there, I was just thinking about, you know, because the problems of the world are a long way away from me, okay? Long way away. So the wars, uh, you know, the, the the stuff that's the terrible stuff that's happening in Myanmar at the moment oh. and all that stuff, just terrible, you know. But then I think about the refugees that come to this country and those mothers who would, who would, uh, who would, you know, walked across deserts to try yeah. and keep their tamariki safe, and yeah. you know, um, it, it's easy to judge people. I do it. I judge people, but I think I need to dig a little deeper and understand why people tick. Understand and have take that time to 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 analyse a bit eh, instead of just you know he's bloody useless or what's you know. Yeah, and we say, and, and, and I'm not saying everyone says this, but there's often we've given you a house now, we've given you a job. Yeah, your children are in school now. You need to just stop behaving like that. But can we see the body keeps the score? Ah, you know, and, and the body's there. That. Well, it's and so if you have come, if you've walked away and you have left everything you've ever known, you can't tell me on that walk when the kid goes, "I'm hungry." You don't go, "Could you just shut up?" <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go, "Oh, sweetheart, I know you're hungry. I'm hungry. I'm walking. I'm stressed. I'm freaked out." I'm probably not going to sit and play games. And, and I know some people could, but I wouldn't have the capacity to. Yeah. So not only is that child in a heightened state of stress that whole way, they're not getting that peekaboo and the games and the feeling and the... And the touch. The touch and that security. Because even when we stop, we're so exhausted. So just thinking about these situations, that baby's 
body hasn't practiced feeling safe. And they come here and they go to our school and we put them in this room where they don't feel any sense of belonging and we go, now learn. It's amazing. And, you know, <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day and obviously I'm a Māori, kia ora but, you know, the fact is, and kia ora to Stuff, who has apologised and admitted that their reporting has been racist to Māori for a very, very long time, so they apologise. And I go, thank you. Kyotofano, you made a mistake. But it ain't all over. It's like being slapped in the face for a hundred years and oh, we've said sorry now and it's all over. So all these things impact on all sorts of people. Hundred percent. That that slapping the, in the face, you've got the bruise there. Yeah. And, and and if you slap me once, it doesn't hurt. If you've been bruised for that long, one slap, man, that hurts. Ooh. Got it? Because because I haven't been slapped that many times, it's not. It's like, oh, okay, well, that hurt, but I can get over it. I'll bounce back pretty yeah. fast. But if you come from a sector of society that's been slapped around for a while. Do you see? Oh, man, you know, we could talk for hours. <laughs> we have been. We have been talking for hours. <laughs> hey, look, uh, thanks, mate. I mean, we're just a couple of mates chatting and hopefully stimulating some, some thought out there. Uh, Catherine Burkett, you're, you're just amazing, my brainy mate, and Peel today. But I'll tell you one thing. I've got more questions. We'll be back. <laughs> Excellent. Sure, mate. Sure.